0: Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. Today, we're going to talk about slime. Well, actually, no. Not slime, exactly. We'll be talking about algae. Well, actually, the biology nerds out there, and I think it's awesome if you are one, will point out that technically... We aren't actually talking about algae, but a unique organism called euglena that has both animal and plant characteristics. And we will also be talking about a unique company, also called euglena, that is cultivating this organism at scale and turning it into everything from nutritional supplements to jet fuel. In fact, in this episode we drink our opening toast not with our usual anchor steam beer but with a glass of Euglena. Now I know what some of you are thinking. And yeah, university research labs and crowdfunding sites are packed with companies claiming that their pet organism is the key to solving a wide variety of mankind's problems. But Euglena is not operating in a lab, but commercially and at massive scale. And today we sit down with the founder and CEO Mitsuru Izumo, who explains how he overcame initial market skepticism to get financial backing, how he was able to achieve what NASA could not, and how and why he decided to take his company public. But you know, Mitsuru tells that story much better than I can, so let's hear from our sponsor and get right to the interview. Your journey to success in Japan will involve some twists and turns and trying to navigate new terrain, planning the safest, most effective way through on your own can be overwhelming. The Carter Group have been using market intelligence and research to guide Japan entrance for decades. They've honed an agile, cost-effective, but consultative approach that will help you find the perfect product market fit, explore user and consumer dynamics, and act as an honest broker to let you know the reputation and track record of potential partners here in Japan. And when you're ready to go, their executive search team can also help you hire the right people to drive your business forward. So if you haven't got Japan completely figured out yet, the Carter Group can help you out. Cheers. Yeah. For starting. For starting. Cheers. Oh, that's pretty good. So I'm sitting here with Mitsuru Izumo, the founder of Uglina. Thanks for sitting down with
1: us today. Yeah, thank you for coming today.
0: I think most of our listeners are not familiar with Euglena, either the company or the organism. Mm-hmm.
1: So can you tell us a bit about, well, first, what is the organism? Uh, Euglena is a kind of uh, tiny microorganism. Uh, you can't see it directly. Uh, you have to see through a uh, microscope. Because the length is only 0.1 millimeter, so that's about the about the diameter of uh, human hair. Yeah, exactly. Uh, very similar to the uh, human hair. Uh, it's a little bit smaller uh, than the uh, hair. And Euglena uh, is green-colored microorganisms, and Euglena have uh, a lot of chlorophyll. Euglena can do photosynthesis by capturing carbon dioxide and to produce oxygen and carbohydrate.
0: And Euglena it's a it's a single cell organism. Is it a type of algae or is it its own unique type of organism?
1: Ah, uh, it's difficult to answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Euglena is a kind of uh, algae, a green carrot uh, and categorized as a plant. What makes euglena unique is that euglena is a kind of algae, and at the same time, euglena can move by itself. Okay. Then, euglena has both plant and animal characteristics, euglena have both plant and animal genes, and euglena can produce both plant and animal nutritions. So it's, it's a difficult organism to classify, but
0: <laughs> if we think of it as kind of a, a single-celled algae, we won't be
1: too far off. Mm-hmm. And what's it good for? Uh, you're going to produce uh, plant dietary fiber, fruits and vegetable vitamins, uh, animal proteins, uh, dietary fatty acid you can see in uh, fishy oil. Uh, every fifty-nine types of nutrients you can produce at one time. So, as a a food supplement for people, or as a standalone food. Yeah, standalone food, uh, and can be cultivated under the sunlight, like normal plant. And every plant you see in nature have very thick cell wall, so oh, it's difficult to be digested. Uh, Euglena can move by itself, doesn't have thick cell wall at all. Uh, Therefore, uh, the nutrition can be very easily digested.
0: So far, the Euglena company has been focused on applications in food and cosmetics Mm -hmm. primarily, right? Right. But you're
1: researching a huge spectrum of applications as well, right? Right. There are so many different uh, strains of Euglena. Uh, over hundred different types of Euglena, uh, and there are one hundred different types of Euglena. Oh, okay, so it, it's the Euglena strains you use for
0: food are completely different from the Euglena strains you would use for uh,
1: fuels, exactly. exactly, or for fiber. Huh. So uh, every day uh, I check uh, and test uh, many kinds of Euglena, and. Uh, After uh, the uh, screening process, uh, we cultivate a special uh, series of Euglena. So a little while later, I want to
0: dive deep into the specific applications Mm -hmm. that you're working on and that uh, other companies are working on around the world for this. But just to give me an idea of the the scale, you've been in production for several years now.
1: So annually, how much uh, Euglena are you producing? The last five years, production is doubled uh, every year. And uh, 2017, uh, we can produce 100 tons of Ugrana in a year. 100 tons per 100 year? 100 tons of, uh, dry, as a dry powder. And your major manufacturing facility is Oki- in Okinawa? In Okinawa. Uh, we have a major uh, cultivation factory located in Okinawa, the most southern part of Japan. Uh, Ishigaki Island. Hmm. Wh- why did you choose Ishigaki in Okinawa? Yeah, of course, uh, we need a lot of sunlight. Carbon dioxide is everywhere, uh, but uh, we need a lot of sunlight. Okay.
0: But theoretically, this could be cultivated almost anywhere.
1: Hmm. Yeah, theoretically. Ah, okay. uh, yeah, but uh, since 1980s, a lot of scientists in the United States and in Japan uh, they were really interested in the cultivation of euglena because euglena uh, has wide range of nutrients. But it was absolutely impossible. I mean, euglena uh, has wide range of nutrients, then uh, every kind of bacteria, planktons. they love to eat euglena in nature. So it's tremendously difficult to cultivate euglena purely and uh, it's impossible to prevent from biologically contamination. Uh, They had to set up special facility like clean room, you can see in the semiconductor factory, uh, to prevent uh, from other uh, biologically contamination. But uh, it's very expensive, and the production capacity was extremely limited. So what did you do differently? How did you achieve production at scale? Then at that time, uh, the only uh, 100 grams uh, euglena can be cultivated in a year. And uh, this year, 2017, uh, we cultivate 160 tons of uh, euglena. And the turning point uh, is 2005. We invented the new cultivation liquid preventing from... Uh, biological contamination. Oh, okay. Uh, we don't need uh, expensive clean room or facilities. Uh, okay, so the, the, the broth, the liquid, allows the
0: euglena to feed, to thrive, but doesn't allow the other bacteria and the other organisms that would eat it to grow there. Exactly. So you've been ramping up production, almost doubling every year. Is the doubling of production due to new technology developments or are you simply increasing the scale Uh, of your uh, facilities?
1: We simply uh, expand the capacity uh, of the uh, cultivation of pond uh, or uh, other facilities Mm -hmm. uh, every year.
0: Okay. Before we get further into the technology and the applications I want to back up a little bit and talk about you. Mm -hmm. So, before you were mentioning that the whole inspiration for this project started on a trip
1: you took to Bangladesh in, your, in your student days. Yes. Uh, when I was a student, 18 uh, years old, uh, the first grade in the University of Tokyo, uh, I visited Bangladesh in 1998. Bangladesh was regarded as the poorest country in Southeast Asia, and the visit was very uh, shocking experience for me. In Bangladesh, there were a huge amount of uh, rice curry uh, and uh, rice, 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 so many rices are there. But uh, the people couldn't access fresh vegetables, egg, milk, fish, and meat. So the problem, the problem wasn't one of hunger, it was one of nutrition. Yeah, the, the problem was malnutrition. Uh, I came back to Japan and I decided to uh, solve the malnutrition problem in developing countries. Okay, but
0: you, you took a bit of a detour from there because before founding Uglina, you uh, you graduated from Todai. You went to work for Mitsubishi Bank. Mm-hmm. Why the the detour into banking? That seems pretty far away <laughs> from kind of international aid
1: and, and, you know, nutritional problems. It's very simple, the lack of funds. It's a financial problem. I didn't have any reputation for or solving the malnutrition problem. Uh, everyone couldn't believe that euglena uh, can solve the uh, malnutrition problem. And the mass cultivation of euglena was still regarded as the impossible This is something I think
0: so many new college grads are struggling with in Japan. Was your decision based on an inability to get funds? Were you out trying to raise funds and couldn't do it? Or was it more of a practical financial issues and kind of family pressures and
1: getting a good job to be able to support yourself? At that time, uh, we wanted to raise the money and we such a sponsor, but of course, uh, we, uh, I couldn't find the, any financial sponsor.
0: So you were working in banking, you were saving money, you were, you were still, was it the same team you were working with that whole
1: time? Uh, when I came back to Japan after the uh, visiting Bangladesh, I've already decided to start the uh, venture corporation 2000 then entered the uh, banking corporation 2002. Mm-hmm. But I and Suzuki, co-founder, we've uh, already decided to uh, set up Ugrana Corporation. This had been your
0: plan from five years before? Yes. So you knew that banking was a temporary position for you?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: what did your family think about you leaving the bank to, <laughs> to start a startup? <laughs>
1: The banking corporation is highly respected by every family. Mm, it's uh, very difficult to uh, decide leaving from the uh, banking corporation. But I've already decided 2000. So your, your family was expecting it? Yeah. Because it,
0: it's, it's, it's such a good position, and starting a company is such a risky thing to do.
1: Yeah, exactly. So my parents have to wait. Uh, long time to understand uh, the whole project uh, in, in my mind. Now, sales have been growing at about
0: 30% a year since you started. But you mentioned that early on, you really struggled to find sales until uh, a deal with Itochu. Mm-hmm. Was that deal with Itochu mainly for sales channels? Was it uh, a research partnership? Why was that
1: deal so important? The deal was so important because Itochu Corporation is one of the leading trading companies in Japan, and they have many good subsidiaries uh, like Family uh, FamilyMart Family is one of the largest convenience store groups, and they have over 18,000 retail stores all over Japan. And we, just is a small startup coming out of the University of Tokyo, and we don't have any good sales channel or marketing plan. It takes three years. From 2005 to 2008, I knocked uh, over 500 companies uh, to persuade them to apply uh, their uh, company's uh, Ugrana uh, product.
0: At that time, were you selling it as a, a food supplement or no, were you selling a general technology? No, no, only food products, okay.
1: supplemental products. We- okay, so 500 different companies you yes. approached. Every 500 companies rely on their reputation or track record. And uh, we are the first company to succeed in the mass cultivation of Yorgena in the world 2005. Then uh, we don't have any... Uh, track record uh, for the marketing, right?
0: And I, I think this is a challenge so many startups face now. Right, is getting that track record. So what was it about Itochu that they decided, okay, we're going to take a chance with this company without a track record? Yeah, Itochu Corporation.
1: They have great knowledge for encouraging the startups or uh, venture company. Top management. They have the strong. Mindset to make the cooperation with uh, startup companies. After the six months due diligence process, uh, Itochu Corporation decided to invest and we agreed that exclusively uh, we sell uglina dry powder as a raw material for for producing uglina green smoothies, uh, uglina infused yogurt. These products are only available at Itochu Corporation Networks. Okay, so it's a combination of an investment
0: and distribution and an exclusive agreement for some number of exactly. years.
1: So is Itochu still your exclusive distributor of the products? Under uh, several networks, like uh, FamilyMart, Itochu Corporation has the uh, exclusive rights, uh, but we sell Directly for the Japanese customers on the Ishii channel. And the number of monthly subscribers reached around 200,000 people. And they put Ukrainian dry butter into the uh, soy milk, uh, miso soup, uh, yogurt, uh, yeah, anything you want. I can see why that partnership was so critical to your success. No, very critical.
0: Another thing that's very interesting, and I think one of the biggest differences in the growth path between, say, American startups and Japanese mm-hmm. startups, Japanese startups tend to IPO at a much earlier stage than U.S. startups do. Mm-hmm. At the time of your IPO, you were still a pretty young company. You were having really strong sales growth of, I guess it was about 30% a year at that point? Yes,
1: 30 to uh, 40
0: annual sales growth. So it's fantastic numbers. So most American companies would try to delay their IPO in that situation. So I'm curious, in your case, what was your thought process? Why did you decide to take your company public at that point rather than to continue to grow as a private company?
1: Yeah, Of course, uh, we... Before the decision of uh, IPO, we thought about uh, the difference between the private and public companies. Uh, But I really want to become the first public company. I mean, uh, there are 1,773 startups originated from the universities from 2005. And almost all startups fail. Yeah, fail. That's the nature of startups. Yeah. And 2014, Ugrana Corporation became the first company to be upgraded to the first section of Tokyo Stock Exchange. And after the upgrade, we promote the company's technology or product very well for their customers, business clients, including governments. So being a public company in Japan, does it make it easier
0: to make those kind of deals? Does it give you the credibility you need yeah. to,
1: to do that? We have good technologies. We have enough human resources. Uh, uh, we need, how to say, reputation or uh, credibility for or persuading people to try to drink your green smoothies. So it seems that a lot of your development
0: through your own corporate history and probably a lot of similar companies in Japan each step requires building reputation through corporate actions so the first major step in your reputation was the partnership with Itochu. exactly the second major step in building the reputation was going public exactly exactly perfect even though you are executing the same way even though you have the same technology people won't accept you on the next level until your company goes through these steps.
1: Uh, That
0: makes a lot of sense. Because in America, it's a bit different. The public versus private is not as important.
1: Hmm. Yeah, great.
0: The purchasers are willing to do more due diligence on their own. So that makes sense why we see this big difference between the two. Let's talk a bit about the technology, because I know that's what's most exciting here. Mm -hmm. We've talked about all kinds of possible applications for Euglena, but let, let's focus on the ones that are most commercially viable. So, right now you're focusing on cosmetics and food. Do you see this becoming a mass production food? Do you plan on licensing this technology around the world?
1: Today we don't have France to license the technology, but in developing countries we provide Euglena school lunch. For 8,000 children in Bangladesh, uh, after uh, 2020, uh, 2030, we would like to make the licensing program with the uh, company in Bangladesh or uh, developed countries and produce uh, a huge amount of uh, uglina for school lunch. It's a not just business, it's a, a social.
0: To really make a, a global impact, to improve the nutrition in developing countries around the world. I think it largely comes down to bringing the cost down. So it's fantastic what you're doing with your your charity work, but the goal is to get the production inexpensive enough that normal market forces can come into play. So right now as a health supplement, as a health food, it's still relatively expensive. So how much does the price have to fall before you're really able to start achieving that dream of
1: reducing malnutrition around the world. How much? Yeah. In the last 10 years, the production cost will be reduced one tenth than the conventional cultivation cost uh, as of 2005. And the uh, production capacity is uh, expanded. Uh, we want to uh, use Euglina as uh, all F's products. The first F is uh, food. And the next fiber, feed, uh, fertilizer, and finally, fuel market. We have strong confidence to produce uh, Euglena in a very low cost. And uh, around 2025, Euglena biojet fuel price is competing with the uh, conventional jet fuel. Uh, diesel fuel or bioethanol price. And at that time, of course, uh, we can provide and share the Euglena food product with a very uh, low cost.
0: Okay, so you've seen a factor of 10
1: reductions since
0: 2005, and over the next, the next seven, years, eight years, yeah. you expect we another do 10, 20. Thing. And then it'll make commercial sense as a, a food supplement, as a nutritional supplement anywhere in the world.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I'd like to add one thing. Uh, the cultivation method is totally different from each. I mean, we don't use any uh, gene-modified technology for producing eugenia supplement or cosmetic products uh, because uh, this is very sensitive, and Japanese uh, customers, they don't want to uh, use the uh, GMO. Okay. But all Nippon Airways and JXTG... So before you mentioned that the... The strain
0: of euglena mm-hmm. is different for food and fuel and fiber, so the production process mm-hmm. is also different. Also different. Oh, okay. okay, so it's not just the
1: organism, but it's the way you exactly. grow it. And the liquid, the of facility, process technology. Every process are different. Okay. For producing euglena biojet fuel products, we apply the gene modifying technology for reducing the production cost uh, because uh, the customers like ANA or JXTG is the largest oil company in Japan. They don't care if it's a GMO fuel, right, because no one's eating
0: it. Before we get into the fuel, which is really interesting to me, when I was researching for this, I found that NASA in the 1970s was doing research on Euglena as part of their long-term space program. Yes. But I couldn't find out what the results were, what their objectives were. Were they planning on using it for food, for fuel? What, what was NASA's interest in Euglena?
1: Yeah, first of all, NASA's project uh, was organized by the Professor Isaac Bajin. I had NASA's uh, intention by him, and he said that NASA's first priority is to cultivate Euglena in the outer space for producing food. And the second objective is to circulate the carbon in the limited outer space. So to remove the CO2 as part of yeah, the carbon exactly. cycle with people. Yeah.
0: Okay. And, and I guess they abandoned it for the reason you were talking about before until your new development it was just too expensive to develop. Right. Excellent. That's really interesting. Okay, let's talk about fuel. Let's talk about fuel. (laughs) No, this is really interesting to me. So, you're running so many different research projects with
1: ANA, with oil companies. Tell us a bit about some of these projects. 2015, we've announced that we will become the first company to produce biojet fuel for Tokyo Olympic Paralympic Games 2020. And this year, we've just started to construct Japan's first biojet fuel refinery plant located in Yokohama, because Yokohama is very close to the Haneda, Tokyo mm. International Airport, and we can easily uh, transport and ship Ukraine biojet fuel for ANA. ANA, All-Nippon Airways, is the largest airline company in Japan, and JXTG is the biggest oil company in Japan. They are our r partners and one of the main shareholders as well. Their objectives are to realize Japan's first biojet flight on the Tokyo Olympic and the Paralympic Games.
0: So is the objective to have the biofuel mixed in as a percentage of the regular jet fuel, or
1: will the jets be flying on 100% alg- algae oil energy? 100% uh, is difficult and impossible uh, by 2020 because uh, the regulation for using uh, biojet fuel. a biojet fuel uh, sample is already tested, proven enough by the American regulatories. Well,
0: I guess the biggest question so, most biofuels today are either made from corn or from sugarcane because those have like the highest energy density and can produce the lowest cost fuel. When do you think that euglena-based jet fuel will be able to be produced at about the same cost as
1: the traditional kerosene jet fuel? Euglena has mainly two advantages uh, comparing to the conventional feedstocks. The first one is productivity. We set up new euglena cultivation factory in Mie, and very uh, close to the tube electric power plant. Power plant uh, emits a huge amount of carbon dioxide, and uh, emitted gas contains roughly 300 times condensed carbon dioxide uh, comparing to the uh, normal air. And we capture and use emitted gas into the cultivation liquid. And some kind of euglenor, can take and use, reduce uh, the uh, feeded carbon dioxide, and the productivity can be boosted by using uh, emitted gas. When do you think
0: that the algae-based fuel will cost about the same as the
1: kerosene-based fuel? The target is around 2025. 2025, that soon? That is the timing we can produce a parity price of the conventional crude oil-based Jet fuel, kerosene price. That'll be amazing to see because of the
0: productivity. You know, there are so many more questions I want to ask you, but I know you're really pressed for time. So before we wrap up, I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question. And that is, if I gave you a magic wand, Mm -hmm. and I told you that you could change one thing about Japan, Mm -hmm. anything at all, the legal system, the way people think about risk, Mm -hmm. the education system anything at all to make it better for startups in japan what
1: would you change i'd like to change the mindset if someone says we want to become the innovator uh, almost all japanese people they don't respect innovative actions or startups if i have a magic wand i'd like to change the mindset
0: does that mean just You'd make people be more open-minded and accepting of new ideas or maybe make people be a little more open-minded and tolerant of people who are trying new ideas? Yeah, both. And uh, hopefully
1: supporting for the entrepreneurs.
0: Do Do you see that changing? Do you think Japanese society is becoming more tolerant of people taking risks and more willing to try new
1: things? Tolerant or not. In the University of Tokyo, the uh, situation is dramatically changing for the well uh, direction. Yeah, enough good changing are coming uh, in the last five years. So it can be done. So maybe we'll see that spreading throughout Japan. Yeah.
0: That'll be great. Well, listen, Mitsuru, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me. Thank you, Tim. and we're back. Mitsuru's explanation of how we've known about the benefits of euglena for decades but have been unable to cultivate it was so simple it was almost funny. We humans are effectively competing against dozens of different microorganisms, all of who find euglena an extremely potent food source. And so far we've been losing. The microorganisms have been eating our food. The real secret of Mitsuru's success has been his team's ability to create a production process that avoids contamination from all these microorganisms and leaves the Euglena all to ourselves. And when I say secret, I mean it. It's a trade secret that the Euglena company guards very closely. One of the most interesting parts of Mitsuru's story was why he made the decision to seek outside investment and to IPO. Now, Japanese companies tend to IPO at a much earlier stage than do their U.S. or European counterparts, who, in general, try to remain private as long as possible. In fact, most Japanese IPOs result in a company with a market cap of less than $20 million. But as Mitsuru explained, in Japan, an IPO means respect there were certain deals he could not have made as a private company. Euglino was growing fast and had access to plenty of private funding, but continuing their sales growth, particularly among conservative firms like airlines, oil companies, and food retailers, meant going public for marketing and prestige rather than for financial reasons. If you've got a story about health drinks or alternative fuels, Mitsuru and I would love to hear from you. So come by disruptingjapan.com show 104 and tell us about it. And when you come to the site, you'll see all the links and resources that Mitsuru and I talked about and much, much more in the resources section of the post. And most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.